We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Another week, another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here, the old man, Andreas Hale. Uh, right now, for some reason, I never noticed this. But you got like your, your little picture on Skype and it's an updated picture. And it's the one where we talked about on podcast where you went and got your beard groomed. Yeah. For no reason. It's really creeping me out. I feel like you're actually staring at me. Well, it's, it's, quite, it's quite weird. You're like peering at me through the screen on Skype through your little Avi, which is, I feel like, a premonition to the show. Disapproving stares, man. It's a disapproving stare. Because it's been crazy on the group chat today. 
So I feel like this is going to carry over into the show. Um, but the group chat stuff aside, that was about combat sports. We'll get there. This week, though, is one of my favorite weeks for the podcast and one of my favorite weeks in general. Thanksgiving week is coming up. We won't have a show before then, I don't think. Um, if we do, we'll have one like the day before. But just in case, you know, we got to throw some Thanksgiving stuff in there. And an article that I saw on Twitter that I know you saw because I saw your comment. So we're going to touch on that too. Huge weekend in wrestling, Survivor Series, NXT TakeOver War Games. And then we have UFC Denver that we have to recap. And some possible big matchups coming out of that. Um, Argentina is this weekend. We'll touch on that. There's like one or two good fights. Uh, we have to talk Mayweather. He's back in circulation. Just when we thought we got rid of him. Uh, you had a great matchup on zone this past weekend um, with Usyk. And, I mean, man, that guy is good. And we'll see what's ahead in his future. And then PBC announced the lineup of their fights heading into 2019. So, pack show in combat sports. That started off in a conversation today that I saw on my timeline. Um, fellow Loudspeakers Network host Mandy, she's on Horrible Decisions. She posted on her timeline that down south she grew up with quote unquote a candy lady. I had to dig into these mentions. Dre, I've never heard of or seen a candy lady in my life. Is this something you yeah. know about? Yeah. Did the block I mean, have a candy lady? My block never had a candy lady. See, like when I lived in New York, there was no candy lady. But in uh, Vegas, there was a candy lady. There was always there was either somebody's house that had a well, somebody's apartment, nobody's house. Somebody's <laughs> apartment that had like all the candy, and you can get it for like dumb cheap. You get your lemon heads and your uh, and your uh, Boston baked beans and all, all your like penny candies you get out of the store. Somebody used to always have them. So yeah, right? I used to have them. I, I think it's a West Coast thing because from when, when I lived in New York as a kid, we didn't, we didn't have all that. Yeah, like, I, I didn't have that at all. And when I moved out to Vegas, like, middle school, I knew I knew there was the corn man and, like, the corn lady. So Depending I on which side of town you lived on. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I went to Rancho, so <laughs> yeah. we already know. That's that, that north, north town. So we, we had the corn man. So you, like, we our football team, they redid the school my last two years there. So we didn't have a home field at that time. We had to practice in Harkey Park, the public park, three blocks away. So we used to have to get dressed in our locker room and then run to practice with our cleats two blocks away. And that park, there was like bums. It was, it was crazy because it was a Northtown Park. You know, people would be drunk or, or drugged out and we'd be having our practice just in this open-ass park. And there'd be the Lote man who'd come by and we'd have like three a days over the summer. <sighs> he knew exactly what time our break was for three a days. He come by. He had the agua fresca and the elote. <laughs> we used to kill it for like two dollars on three a days. So that that I knew about. Candy lady never heard of in New York. When I was growing up, we just had bodegas. Like there yeah. was there was nothing you couldn't get at the bodega up the block. Like Poppy, I joked on Twitter. I was like, Yo, you go up there. I go. I get the butter roll. I get the hot chocolate and dip the butter roll into it. It sounds sounds bad. But it was delicious when it was cold out. And then I'd get like the five cent candy. So I'd get the airheads. I'd get uh, the, the sour patch. 
I, I get the the strip joints. I forgot the name of those. Sour punch strips. And then I'd also get like a pack of cigarettes for my grandma. I was like 10 years old. And, he, and Poppy knew everybody. So I'd be like, yo, Poppy, let me get all this candy. Let me get, you know, well, we didn't have chopped cheese. Like the Bronx wasn't really fucking with chopped cheese like that. Chopped cheese is like 10 years old and came from Harlem. Uh, but when I was growing up, you know, we catch this, you know, get the sandwich on the roll or on the hero. And I'd be like, yo, let me get those more menthols for my grandma, the green pack, not not the short joints, the longs, and he'd know exactly what it is. It was like 325. I'm dating myself because I think cigarettes are like 850 now. And that was it. The bodega had everything. No questions asked. I could probably go to a bodega, be like, yo, let me get a nutcracker, a chopped cheese, and and a random ass pack of Starburst, all for like $3 when I was growing up. And bodegas are still like that today. If you know the bodega guy, you're set. And they sell everything. Everything, yeah, everything, that, everything. That hasn't changed. I mean, it's always been like that. And I mean, I think all of us, no matter where you were from, I think, well, I guess depending on where, you know, what kind of household you grew up in. You know, I used to always have to get my grandma the cigarettes too. I used to have a note. <laughs> Be like, they'd be like, yeah, I know your grandma here. She, had, she, she smoked Winston's in the red box when she could afford them. Everybody yeah. knows that grandma or their mom's cigarette order. Like, yeah. if you grew up in the 90s? Yo, I know it. And my mom did Newport's. Newport Lights. Ugh. Yeah, that was my mom's joint. And my grandpa, he did Newport Lights. My grandma did more menthols. And they were mad thin and weird. They were like brown. It, shit was so crazy. And that's why I don't smoke to this day. They scarred me for life. I bought enough cigarettes for a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, I did too. My grandmother smoked like a chimney. So did my dad. They still do. Like, when I take my daughter over there, it's like, my, my, she always comes back smelling like cigarettes. I'm like, God damn, my, would you chill that shit out? But I guess once you start, you can't stop. Because yeah. they, they cannot stop that cigarette shit. I Ugh. mean, they all smoke in my family still. Um, my grandpa also drinks a fifth of Bacardi a day, at minimum. Like, at this point, I feel like his liver is pickled. He's going to live forever. Because Probably. fifth of Bacardi every day in Puerto Rico, like they live damn near on the beach. He just down in the fifth of Bacardi. I, I I remember when the hurricane hit and the lights went out. They imposed like this crazy dry law where you couldn't buy liquor because it was afraid of like riots and shit. And it was probably the first time in 30 years he was sober. 30, 40 years. He was losing his damn mind. He had like stashes in the garage. He ran out of that. I'm pretty sure he was buying like the bootleg liquor. They don't live too far from the Bacardi joint. So I'm sure he was paying someone under the table like, yo, just get me two handles. Because, yeah, man, I had old old folk had crazy habits growing up. And that brings me to growing up in the hood, Dre. So you, we know you grew, when you came to Vegas, you were behind Valley High School, right? And those weird ass like housing no, slash apartments. No, no, no. I was by the Boulevard Mall in a right by a place called Crack Alley. Isn't that by, it's like Orr Middle School or some shit. Yeah, it's kind of by Orr. It's across the street from the Boulevard Mall. It's a it's a street and like we all stayed over there. Well, not we all. Just a lot of the homies, we stayed by there and that's how we got tight because we used to run from shootouts and shit like that. <laughs> um, by a place that you, was used to call Maryland Square. That was like my old hood. Um, yeah, shit popped. There was a boys and girls club that we used to play ball at, but it used to fuck us up because the boys and girls club basketball court was on the hill. 
So you had to go uphill to dribble the basketball. So when you played on a real court, you was either undershooting or you were overshooting. So it was like a terrible adjustment period. But that's, yeah, we grew up in the hood. It was called Crack Alley. And it was called Crack Alley because of the name. Yeah, I mean, it was nothing but junkies, dope slingers. And it was uh, always some shit, man. Like, I had homeboys get shot up over there. Like, it was... I remember that shit when I first used to like travel to Vegas over the summers. Um, my cousins, Brad and KP, took me up there because in New York, you know, like there was always basketball tournaments. We were always on the block or we were going to like the neighborhood projects. Each project had their own basketball tournament. So when I came out here, I just wanted to play ball and to be active. And they were like, oh, we know exactly where to play. Everyone plays here. And it was Cambridge. Mm. Yes, Cambridge Apartments. Yes, yes, yes. And Cambridge Apartments and Cambridge Community Center, which sounds very pleasant, but that shit was not. And it's no. like right behind there. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on over here? And back then, like, at least in New York, you walk into the projects and you know the projects is there. Like, you know you're about to get into some shit. Vegas is weird. And I guess Cali's like this, too, because you'll go from like a normal ass area, like by the Boulevard Mall, there's a Target, there's all this stuff. And then you go one block over and you're like, what the fuck just happened? And you just could, you're liable to just wander into some shit. So that, that was crazy. Yeah, it was, it was a little, I mean, I was used to it, but yeah. I like my grandmother, like for those who maybe have just started listening, my grandmother's an old Italian white woman. Like, so. Who, Who liked to play the cards, right? She played the she played slot machines till she ran out of money, and then she would play like video poker till her fingers started hurting. Like dead ass, she would she would uh, she would leave on Monday and come back on Wednesday. That's how my grandmother used to gamble. Like <laughs> that's that's dedication though. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't see it. So like top ramen, Celeste pizzas, like that's all I ate because nobody was ever there to cook. But um. Yeah, so it was like this old white woman raising me in the hood of hoods, and like everybody knew my grandma because she drove a, drove a big ass. It, was, it wasn't Cadillac; it was like an Eldorado, and uh, we called it the tank because it looked like a fucking tank, and it was like rusted because she would never wash it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so, growing up in the hood with an old ass, and she was she was racist too. I'll, I'll just be, keep it funky. My grandma, <laughs> my grandma did not like black people except for me. So it was like, it, it was the weirdest. Yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> that's the most interesting dynamic ever. But that shit happens. I remember, like, I remember. I don't think my grandma is necessarily racist. Not even my Puerto Rican one, my black grandma. But I remember having a crush on this Asian chick when I was in eighth grade, and the look on her face. My grandma, I can do no wrong in my grandmother's eyes either. But the look on my grandmother's face when I was at dinner and I casually threw out that the girl I wanted to ask out was Asian. She was like, mm, no, no black girls you can date. I was like, what? And I, I was going through like, you know, kids have phases and I was like watching TV and shit. And I was like, grandma, I don't really like black girls. You would think I fucking shot her with a bow and arrow. She was like, yeah. and then when I, and that's probably why she was, wasn't mad when I knocked up my ex-wife. Cause she was like, oh, black girl, good money. You do whatever you want, son. She didn't wow. give a fuck. But yeah, yo, the, the look on her face, I was like, oh, that's weird. But I was like, by the way, I'm half Puerto Rican. It's not like my dad knocked up a black girl. Like, he clearly knocked up a Puerto Rican. I don't, oddly enough, grandmothers are weird. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about growing up in the hood, 
hoods always have hidden gems. So people obviously listen to this podcast. They're from everywhere. Make sure you guys hit us up on the hidden gems from wherever you're from. Um, I'll be in L.A. trying to go uh, visit my godmother in D.C. soon. I need hidden gems from everywhere because I love eating in the hood when I go to places. I, I hate eating. And like I'll do one night maybe in a fancy schmancy place and you know get my old man Andre's brunch on every now and then where he just tells him to sit the bottle on the side of the table. This shit yeah. don't got to go nowhere. But the other day I try to eat in the hood and eat some good food. So I'm really looking for those hood spots. But Vegas actually has some good hidden gem hood spots. What is your go-to hood spot for food in Vegas? Um, I don't go anywhere now. Like, my tastes are refined, buddy. Um, <laughs> Wait, hold on. So you're telling me once a year you still don't got to eat, like, some Top Ramen just to take you back? Oh, no, I still eat Top Ramen. Like, okay, that's good, still good. kind of housework. Gotta, like, that, that doesn't end. You like, got to stay ramen, grounded. <laughs> yeah, like, that was college. That was everything. Like, Top Ramen with hot sauce? What? Hey, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, back in the day, like, see, Vegas people don't, only Vegas people knew about, like, Stop and Shop and the Chicken Fingers and Stop and Shop. That was, like, our lick because they were, like, four bucks. You get these big-ass chicken fingers and ranch, and you never got a fork, so your hands were always with, like, mad hot sauce on them. That see, was, like, our spot. The spot in high school, and the spot's still there now, is Hamburger Hut in North Las Vegas. Uh, yes, I remember Hamburger Hut. Yeah, and people were like, oh, Hamburger Hut, that's dope. Yeah, if you go there and get a burger, everyone will stop at a place, look at you, and be like, what the hell is your problem? You go to Hamburger Hut, it, it's on Craig and, like, Pecos, damn near. Like, between that and Civic Center, I think. Um, it might be Cheyenne. Nonetheless, Northtown, North Las Vegas... And get the chicken fingers as spicy as you can get them with the fries. Crack. Everyone went. Everybody used to go to Hamburger Hut. And it brought... I was actually thinking about it last week because I had to cover something for the news station out here. Uh, you know, the day gig at Channel 8. And someone got shot, like, right down the block from Hamburger Hut. And I was trying to get the photog to bring back some, some chicken fingers. But I was it was past my shift. I was like, damn, I haven't had hamburger hunt in years. But that's the that's the go to hood spot in Vegas. That or Tacos El Gordo. But not the one on the strip either. The one on like Charleston, right by Rancho High School. Shit's fire. That's that's the way to go. Um, do you have a best out of town hood spot? I was thinking this because I got New York spots, obviously. But you went to college in Atlanta. Yeah, like, see, there's a difference between, like, the best out-of-town hood spots or just places that I used to end up because I couldn't afford shit. So, like... <laughs> I mean, they're, they're one in the same, usually. Like, I go to Atlanta, I eat cookout all the time. And people look at it. Atlanta people, I guess, don't like cookout like that. Yeah, and what's we don't We don't have it here, and the $4 meals are incredible, and their shakes are delicious. Hmm. Um, yeah, Atlanta, see, like, damn. There's like a Jamaica spot that used to be by the AUC that we used to hit up. But see, like back in the day, we used to hit up this spot called Steagles. And anybody that's ever heard of Morehouse knew about Steagles. Steagles was not really good. It was just affordable, and they had every color, flavor of slice available. So you used to go there after you go to Club Woody, which was the library. You used to call the library Club Woody. And, okay. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's just where all the chicks hung out. So you go to Club Woody, and then it'd be late and because Clark had a curfew when we were freshmen. So all my homies that went to Clark, um, they used to have to be indoors by 11, but they used to always, like, sneak in windows and shit. 
So around that, everybody ran to Steagles to get something to eat. And I mean, there were like rats outside and shit, but we were broke, so it just didn't matter. So that was like our spot in Atlanta. I've got spots everywhere, but I just really can't think of them right now. I really can't. See, I need to, but if I mention the brunch spot, you got like 18 of them. We of course, like I said, I'm, I'm, a man of, I'm a man of refined taste. Like, man, the spot I went to, what was it, last week? If anybody saw, like, let's see, two weeks ago, I went to a spot called Mimosas. And you get a mimosa that's basically a bottle of champagne and you just pour it in a giant glass. And then they put, like, whatever flavors you want in it. And that's a mimosa. It's like 30 bucks. But it's fucking, it's, a, it's like a bottle of champagne. So I had that two weeks ago with some delicious breakfast. I can't remember what I had because I drank a lot. And then this week, I went to this other spot. wasn't that good, but the bottomless champagne, when you order the bottomless mimosas, they just bring you a bottle, and then they let you pour your own shit. So I had, like, two bottles of champagne. So. (laughs) Just fancy with it. Nah, see, I go to New York. Like, when I took Elena to New York, um, and, like, the first couple days we stayed in Harlem, you know, nice spot, the gentrified part of Harlem. Had the rooftop deck, all this shit, went downtown. It was nice. It was fancy. Uh, took it to a Yankees game, all this shit. Now, the last, like, five days, I was like, nah, we're chilling in the Bronx. We're going with my fam. So we stayed with family in the Bronx. And I showed her everything, like, all the hood spots. Um, I took her, like, it's 213th and White Plains Road. So I grew up on White Plains Road and, uh, like, Gun Hill Road and Burke Ave. People know where that's at. And there's this Jamaican patty spot. It's a Jamaican bakery. Only thing they serve is Jamaican patties. They only got like it's chicken, beef, or vegetable, in which they say vegetable patties and cocoa bread, and it's fresh, and that's all they sell. And when I say we had like eighteen of them, so we took her to that spot. And then if anyone's in the Bronx for any reason, we got WrestleMania um, coming up in New York. So uh, if you guys want some good food, you want to venture out of downtown Manhattan. And one, you know, kind of risky life. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, if you feel like going up the two train to the Bronx, um, Burke Avenue, White Plains Road, it's a stop on the two train. You get off. There's a roti spot. It's just called the roti shop. It's right there. No name. The roti spot. These women have been cooking since I was like two years old. Um, my mom used to send me there when I was like six. Their food is incredible. West Indian roti. And uh, oh, man, it's just delicious and they got these joints called poluri they're a dollar you get that with the tamarind sauce change your life so i'm dropping jewels on you go to new york you go there if you catch me there wrestlemania weekend i'll be there at least twice in those five days that's how fire the food is so um those are my little hood gems dre that's the good food twitter wise though someone had the hot take of hot takes i don't want to hear shit else about me they said green bean casserole is the number one Thanksgiving dish. If you don't agree, meet them outside. What what was that? BuzzFeed? That was BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. Was, if you don't agree, different. meet me outside. Which made me think, like, okay. If someone say meet me outside, I'm thinking this person is of ethnic descent, right? Because, like, all right, catch my fade, like, if you think I'm wrong. So, I'm thinking BuzzFeed had someone who was sitting there of ethnic descent, black, you know, Spanish, something. And they said, you know what? I just need to start some shit on Twitter. Because there's no way someone believes that. It's fucking impossible. And Green bean casserole is disgusting. Yeah, that's just not good. Our first Thanksgiving episode on the show, 
We talked about how I introduced Elena and her family to macaroni and cheese. So, uh, Which is still the most bizarre shit I've ever heard in my life. But what, <laughs> so yeah, they, they're doing it again this year, the, the giant family Thanksgiving. Um, I have to work randomly. So I'm going to make it and send it with Elena so her family can still have it. But now it's on their, their Thanksgiving menu. When you do the slide down online, that's how fancy this shit is. You got to RSVP to the invite and it has slide down menus of what you're bringing. So uh, mac and cheese is now on there. No one clicks it because they know that's me. But one, they didn't know it was a Thanksgiving meal. So they never had it at their Thanksgivings. And then two, they didn't know it was a side. Everyone considered mac and cheese a main dish. Yeah. Like spaghetti and meatballs. Look, that is, from what I've learned, and somebody listening will probably try to correct me, but I don't care because I've learned this, it's very Caucasian. <laughs> mac and cheese is a main course. For us, it's not a main course, but it's very Caucasian. I've seen white people like craft dinner and shit like that. No, that's not dinner. That's a side dish, but anyway. I have seen white people tell me that mac and cheese, like craft mac and cheese with hamburger in it is like a main course. Which probably isn't horrible, but it's still not real mac and cheese. So that shit's like, that's TV dinner status. Um, so yeah, so I bring that on top. But that's when I tried green bean casserole. Because prior to that, and prior to one of our listeners telling us about it, they were like, yo, that's fair. But at Black Thanksgivings, do you guys have green bean casserole? And I said, no. They're like, so white people would be like taken aback by that. Because it's a staple of their Thanksgiving. So I was like, okay, you know, I... I got to be an equal opportunity eater on Thanksgiving. Let me try this green bean casserole. I've tried one every year since. The shit doesn't get better. It doesn't matter how you cook it, what type of onions you put on top, how you crisp it. It's not good. And they said it was number one. So your response on Twitter was hilarious. They were getting roasted in these Twitter mentions. And shout out to them. They stood by it. Green bean casserole as number one. Not turkey, not ham. Green bean casserole. And that gets me to thinking, what is your number one Thanksgiving dish? Because we never talked about our favorites. We always just made fun of, you know, random ass people having random ass things. What is your number one Thanksgiving dish? Well, my my wife makes a mean macaroni and cheese. And Oh, I gotta try I will, this though. I will Can I, will I come get a, a plate? Like I listen, what time y'all cook? See, this year, I don't know, because she's in law school and I'm working, so we oh, haven't yeah. decided on whether if we're cooking or we're going out this year. We've never done this before, but between our families being trash when it comes to cooking and... Uh, I mean, you guys cook everything, so it's... Yeah, so it's like we kind of count on you. Yeah, so it's, I mean, she, she's trying to figure it out, but she makes a spectacular macaroni and cheese. And I was like, at first I thought it was biased. And then we started taking it to other people's houses and shit. And then it was like, no, it's for real. Her, her spe- it's like a spicy macaroni and cheese, but she like cooks it twice. It's fucking amazing. Okay. Me, I just eat it. I don't cook anything. <laughs> I got I to gotta try this. I don't know how I've never tried this in four years. Um, yeah, so to me, my best Thanksgiving dish, even though my mac and cheese, people really like it. And I brought it over there. Um, to me, the best Thanksgiving dish there is is deep fried turkey. Like, I've never had deep fried turkey. A lot of people have it. I deep fried a turkey twice, and it's after I had it at someone else's house the first time. And the shit is so incredible. It's it makes such a difference that it's night and day compared to regular turkey. Like you, you talk about people fighting over a turkey leg 
when you deep fry it and you get all those juices and, uh, you know, you gotta, I think I, I got their recipe kind of, not the recipe, but how they, they go about structuring, making their deep fried um, turkey. And I had to brine it. So I got like a paint bucket, had to take all the shelves out of my fridge and you, you brine it in this uh, mixture. It's like salt, vinegar, all this stuff. Um, they put like, not lemons, but they put like uh, rosemary, a whole bunch of shit, like three big ass heads of garlic. And you brine it in there for two days. Then you got to let it sit for 12 hours to drain out because it can't have no moisture in it. It's going to set your damn house on fire. And then you put like a dry rub on it. Yo. And then you put it in the fryer. This shit was incredible. Life changing. Deep fried turkey. Um... I haven't had like a fresh smoked turkey and people tell me that's like up there and par. But deep fried turkey, hands down, best best Thanksgiving item that there is. And uh, most of the time it's found in caucus households. So they, they got it. Like I got it, hat tip to them. Deep frying the turkey really, really changed changed the game. So that that is my go-to in the, in the caucus Thanksgiving household is the deep fried turkey. Um, what is your worst Thanksgiving meal? You don't got to say who made it, but there got to be that, like that one auntie where you like, oh, and you just taste it. What, when did you have that, that one moment where you're like, yo, this shit is horrible. Yo, I, I honestly don't know. It, Cause oh, y'all be eating my... good at your crib. See, this is how you know, you don't leave your house for Thanksgiving. Nah, yeah, we leaving the house. No, 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 we don't do that. Well, See, we didn't do that. I used to be a plate snatcher Four different. Four different places, five different places in one day. I was just trying everybody's food. Yeah. See, so we I haven't really had bad Thanksgiving. I would say, like, when my grandmother was alive, her cooking was trash. So that was always a problem. But um, <laughs> it's just, I'm this, for real. This is made... favorable to your grandma today on this podcast. I'm She's sorry. an old Italian woman. She couldn't cook. Fuck no. She was the worst cook in the history of cooks. Like she was she was awful. She couldn't even make macaroni and cheese. She was oh my god. I mean not macaroni and cheese, she couldn't make spaghetti. Fried chicken, she burnt it every time. My girl was the worst. So it was something that she cooked, I'm sure. Um that was terrible. Other than that, like with my wife and her family, like they don't necessarily like to cook, but when they when they're ready to throw down, they always throw down. So it's never bad. I think there's always somebody that tries to compete with like my wife's macaroni and cheese and it's subpar. So we have to tell them like don't don't do that shit again. Like we've done it before. We was like, yo, don't do that shit again. It's highly disrespectful. You bring this trash ass macaroni and cheese here and then nobody's gonna eat it. That's what happens. <laughs> That's real, but I can co-sign you. Everybody, when it's time to throw down at your crib, everyone throws down. Everyone. Uh, y'all just have way too much food. And for a person who says they really don't mess with leftovers, you have entirely too much food after these get together. Yeah, but uh, I, I do mess with leftovers, but it's just not ideal. <laughs> Thanksgiving leftovers are different, though. Like, I'll eat that shit for almost a month. Okay, I was going to say the bougie just came out. Uh, and real quick shout out to Big Mac, Ryan McKinnell, who says he hates Thanksgiving food and goes and buys barbecue every year. And, and he's banished the entire Thanksgiving holiday. And, and he's against it. Like Chandler from Friends, he refuses to eat Thanksgiving food. So he goes and eats barbecue every year. And I, listen, this is Big Mac logic. So that's, that's, what he, that's how he gives it up. Um, me, my worst Thanksgiving meal, and I'll never forget it, my ex-wife and her family. And I don't know if this is a thing. 
Um, and I used to go over there and I used to bring some of my Puerto Rican food or I make the mac and cheese and cool. So I, I kind of just, I could stay around that and eat that. And they make a good ham. Um, but two things I don't like at all is dressing. And until I met my ex-wife, I didn't know there was a difference between dressing and stuffing. Um, so that was weird. I was like, yo, so it's stuffing? They're like, no, it's dressing. Like what the? So yeah, like with the actual cornbread mix and all this shit. And they put like some chicken necks. Like, I, I, don't, I don't fucking know. That wasn't good. It might have been the turkey neck that they shaved. But dressing was not for me. And then baked spaghetti. Hmm? Baked spaghetti is literally, you take a bunch of noodles, spaghetti noodles, and you like the long ass pack, right? Like the blue boxes. You crack them in half, which is another pet peeve in life. Do not crack my spaghetti. They're supposed to be long noodles. They crack them in half so they're smaller size noodles. Take normal ass spaghetti sauce, whatever. They buy, buy ragu. Don't even doctor it up. They don't even try. Like, uh, shit, I make mine by hand. Like, with the immersion blender and, and squeezing the tomato. They don't even care. They don't even try to chop up tomatoes in it. Just get ragu, put spaghetti, make spaghetti, dump it out, put the ragu in there. Put the ground beef. Like, don't, don't ground beef my spaghetti, yo. So... They put ground beef in it, mix it all together in a big-ass pot, put this in a pan, put it in the oven for like 20 minutes, take that out, sprinkle cheddar cheese on top of the entire thing, put nah, it you don't back care. in the oven, take it out, and that's baked spaghetti. So it's no, spaghetti, no. basic-ass spaghetti with a layer, a thick-ass layer of cheddar cheese all the way on top. Cheddar cheese doesn't go on spaghetti. Bro, what I'm telling you. They think it goes. I'm like, no, no. And to the point where she would bring this shit to potlucks, my ex-wife. Like, yo, no. people love my baked spaghetti. But I'm looking like, yo, like I really got to disown you over this shit. So to this day, my poor children, my oldest daughter, she got, she got sense. She don't listen to her mama. She don't eat baked spaghetti. She also don't eat her tuna noodle casserole, which is horrible. You got a lot of bad food going on. Yo, my ex-wife and her family, I don't understand. Yo, if this is a trend, y'all got to let me know. But baked spaghetti and tuna noodle casserole that has egg noodles. And if anyone makes any type of Italian food or any type of noodles, you cook it al dente. Because if you're going to continue to cook it or add sauce, it's going to keep softening up. Yo, Dre, when I tell you they cook this shit till it's almost mush, then dump the water out and then bake it. So you don't really know where this ends and that. Oh, it is bad. And then, oh, the tuna noodle casserole. It's not Thanksgiving, but that shit was horrible. They take like the freezer bag of mixed vegetables or the canned bag of mixed vegetables, throw it in there, couple cans of tuna. And what's again, I think it might be like sour cream or cheese or some shit with the egg noodle. Oh, God, this shit is horrible. And that also has a thick layer of cheddar cheese on top. Oh, and there's like grease on top of the cheddar cheese. It's the worst meal ever. Now I'm having flashbacks. I have like baked spaghetti PTSD. So I'm so thankful. So thankful. I'll eat tuna noodle or I'll eat green bean casserole over that shit any day. And that's not a compliment. So that's that's by far my worst Thanksgiving meal. And uh, if any one of them listens to this podcast, yeah, I said it. That shit is disgusting. Oh. So yeah, let me shake that off. Oof. All right. So we got a big wrestling weekend, man. Big wrestling weekend. We got to get into combat sports. 
Let's start with uh, what, Survivor Series. Toss up between that and NXT. Let's go for the gusto. Survivor Series right out the gate. The go-home shows this week actually held a lot of impact for the first time in a long time. I would say the go-home shows mattered, um, whether it was on purpose or by mistake. So we have Becky Lynch and the SmackDown crew invading Raw. The women are headlining pretty much, right? They're, they're closing the show on Raw. It's the hottest beef, her versus Ronda, we talked about last week. Becky comes out. She's fighting Nia Jax. Cole clocks her right in the face. Snubs her. Boom. She starts bleeding. Blood is everywhere. She continues with the script. Ronda comes in. She hits Ronda with a chair. You got Becky Balboa just bleeding. Full stone cold moment. There, she Literally, she set the internet on fire. Everything was about Becky Lynch. People who have no clue what the hell's going on in wrestling wanted to tune in for her after seeing the hoopla on Twitter. And then Tuesday comes out that she's going to have to miss Survivor Series because of the injuries. Broken face is what they say. Um, and she goes, she hugs Charlotte and says, finish the job for me. Charlotte, who she just feuded with. But we know... Four horse women of NXT, everything. We, we know that they are still pals. Uh, the competition, I guess they'll chalk it up. Competition got the best of her. So Charlotte is now in against Ronda. Do you like how this all played out and how this really fueled the go-home shows into Survivor Series? Yeah. Um, I said this the other day. I think injuries have become probably the, the nobody likes to be get hurt but it becomes like the best thing to happen to pro wrestling because it forces ch plans to change well to I mean, the wwe like, specific right well yeah okay. obviously um <laughs> but you look like you know a couple years ago finn Balor gets hurt it led to kevin owens become a champion uh you look at the year that stone cold steve austin was injured by owen hart and he ended up being out and that would ended up probably being one of his hottest years because he couldn't wrestle um, because of what they had to do to keep him available and visible and had the fans want more. Becky Lynch getting hurt made a, a feud that was supposed to be something that would last for like a, a show and then it would go away into the hottest thing in pro wrestling. Her and Ronda Rousey has, has become by far the best feud in professional wrestling today. And I, and I mean that across any promotion. Yeah. Because it's, it's nuclear. And, and Becky's <clears throat> run has been amazing um, but if she didn't get hurt, we wouldn't be here. Like the visual of her leaking blood, uh, carrying the chair, hitting Rhonda, the, the look that Rhonda gave her, Becky standing at the top of the thing, like talking shit, like covered it's just, in blood. Yeah, this is this is how it's supposed to be done, and, it, and it's it's somewhat by accident because the injury wasn't supposed to happen. So yeah, and I mean, obviously, them changing course because I, it feels like we could all be wrong. But it feels like the route they were going to go is Charlotte versus Ronda for WrestleMania. But with the way that Becky Lynch has caught fire, it's totally okay to do that match at Survivor Series and maybe figure out a way to get Becky versus Ronda for WrestleMania. I feel like this is the WrestleMania where if there was ever going to be two women headlining the, the WrestleMania, this would be it. Yeah. And at this point in time, it feels like Becky versus Ronda, however they can figure out how to get there, as long as the WWE doesn't blow their load too early and, and can't keep Becky out of this match, as long as you don't ruin this or neither of them get hurt, this is the match that they need to go to. Do you think but it should have... be that singles push? Or I've also read a lot of people, which I don't necessarily like, but uh, the fact that women are headlining instead of one-on-one, -on -one, that is where they give us you know, four horsewomen versus four horsewomen and try to capitalize on the star power of everyone. So no, we no. get the Becky Lynch hug with Charlotte squashing their beef 
And then we know Bailey and Sasha are still in the tag team, and you see them crew up against Ronda and, no. and crew making their debut. No, no. I, I don't like I, it that much, but I, when I read it, I was like, fuck, I can see this. I, I can't. Not as a main event for, event for WrestleMania. Absolutely not. It's Absolutely, a lot of like, star power. Nah, not really. It's Ronda. Like, everybody else is not really a star. And, and, and well, Becky's like, close. I mean, yeah, Char- Charlotte has the name value, right? That's why she was going to be yeah, the main but, event. But, but a match, a, a tag team match to headline WrestleMania is unheard of. So, yeah. I mean, unless you're Mr. T and fucking uh, Hulk Hogan. Like, tag <laughs> team matches don't headline WrestleMania. It could be a triple threat, but I don't even see that. I think you headline WrestleMania with a one-on-one match, and I feel like this is the best way to go. On top of that, uh, we just did a conference call with Triple H yesterday. Marina and uh, Jessamyn Duke aren't even close to making like an official debut to the point where to put them in the main event of a WrestleMania. Like yeah. Shayna Brisler's not ready for that yet. It's it's way too soon for all that. Maybe Survivor Series next year, and even that is you know is, depends on how how ahead they can get and everybody staying healthy. But nah, man, this is if they're gonna go this route, no four horse women, not not for this shit. That's a Survivor Series match. Yeah, just let them rock one on one. So yeah, Becky's Becky's out of it. So now we have Charlotte, Ronda. Do you think it's your headline? And we'll talk about, you know, Survivor Series a little more here in a second. But is that strong enough to headline? Or do the men have to kind of take on that headlining role now? Because um, I, I thought Ronda and Becky would close the show. I mean, Ronda and Charlotte could close the show as well. Um, but I have a feeling they're going to go champion versus champion with the, the newly minted WWE champion, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan against Brock Lesnar. I feel like that's the route they're going to go. But I, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised because Ronda is such a big name. I wouldn't be surprised if they let her headline a Survivor Series. So that's the other thing. When, when I said this and uh, when I saw this and you said this pretty clear dur- throughout the week, kind of feel like plans changed on Monday. Yeah. Um, for both the men and women. And I feel the same way and I feel shitty because AJ Styles carried that belt for 372 days or 71 days. And to me, this is Vince saying, you are good enough to be the workhorse champion. You're not good enough to main event a pay-per-view. So we got to take the belt off you and give it to Daniel Bryan because at least he'll main event the pay-per-view. I trust him main eventing against Brock Lesnar. I see. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if... If because they might have gone to AJ and Brock for the main event of Survivor Series because they're both the champion, so I, I don't necessarily know about that. I feel like the plans the plans changed. The injury definitely changed things, and it forced them um, to move Daniel Bryan into this heel role. And I don't know if that was ever in the plans. Well, it might have been um, for Crown Jewel though, right? Because he, if you turn heel at Crown Jewel, he doesn't get booed. Uh, it's a foreign audience, and he takes the belt off of AJ Styles. You end up with this match. But Daniel Bryan refusing to go could have postponed that. Yeah, well, the other part of that is Daniel Bryan was originally, you know, the other uh, captain of the Survivor Series team. Yeah. So, th- I, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly where they were going with this. Um, I didn't like Daniel Bryan and the Miz working together anyway. I feel like, I don't care what anybody says, I feel like that entire angle has been botched. I, I just feel like... It lost they had, all steam. Yeah, it, it, it just didn't work out. But... You know, heel Daniel Bryan, it could, this could be interesting. Um, but now it's a heel versus heel at WrestleMania, which, I mean, at WrestleMania, Survivor Series, which makes it even more interesting. Because um, I don't know how you played this. I mean, does Braun come out and ruin everything? Like, I, I have no idea how this is going to play it. Uh, well, I hope that's not the close of it then, right? Like, 
I don't want it to necessarily close on shenanigans. Um, it, it'd be great to see Lesnar lose and Brian win, but what's the chances of that? I mean, and also the, the match that could close Survivor Series is the Survivor Series match, the traditional elimination tag match. That could be what closes the show. That's not bad, but we'll go through. Shit, we can do that now. Um, we'll pull up Survivor Series, and that gets a little dicey because this year's teams are kind of just all over the place. I'm There's three Survivor Series matches, right? So you've got to space them out. So I can see one closing it because just space-wise, um, you can do it. But to me, it's not a strong enough field, and it doesn't have a big enough storyline to close a major pay-per-view. Like if you put even Ronda and Charlotte before this, I, I think they tear down the house and you're asked out because there's at least something there. It'll feel like a real main event. Um We'll go through the card right now. Let me go to where it's supposed to start. Uh, it looks like it's pre-show. Hopefully not, but it might be. Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali for the Cruiserweight Championship. I, listen, 205 Live, I watch it every week. I've seen these two go at it. Number one contenders matches. This shit's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that uh, Buddy Murphy will probably retain, um, but I think this should be one hell of a match. Uh, this feels like... I'm not going to say it's the Riley should win because Cedric was a great champion, but um, it seems like Mustafa Ali's been primed for this main event picture. Hopefully this is not on the pre-show. Hopefully it's that this trash-ass tag uh, Survivor Series <laughs> match. That should be the pre-show. Buddy Murphy and uh, Mustafa Ali should at least open the show and tear the house down. Yeah, I think it's time for Mustafa Ali to go over. He's been the yeah. heart of 205 Live for a long time. His promos, the little vignette promos that he does, he got the hoodie up, the Ali hoodie. The, the Roots of Fight, right? Oh, so dope. So uh, I think this is his time. I think they gave it to Buddy Murphy in Australia because it was a good moment, and he's a good transitional champion to Mustafa Ali. Um, tag team, Survivor Series match. Speak of the devil. We have Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. Random tag team. Uh, the Revival, who looked like they were getting a push for a second. For a second. Uh, and then we have Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel. We have the Lucha House Party, who's found their way off of 205 Live. I think just for this, though, to fill this out. And the Ascension, who have come back from uh, a universe beyond here. Versus Team SmackDown, the Usos, which is good. The New Day, cool. Sanity, who have had two vignettes and haven't been seen in a year. Um... Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, sadly buried, and the Colognes, Epico and Primo. SmackDown's team is way stronger. I'm going to go with SmackDown because the New Day and the Uso alone should beat everyone on Raw. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, I mean, the Revival, God, their, their burial has just been trash. Um, the B team, yeah, whatever. Rude and Gable is so random and it's terrible. Root still being a babyface is one of the most baffling mysteries on uh, pro wrestling Ooh, today. Oh, wouldn't mind Root turning on Gable right here, though. Give me something different. I, got it. I mean, yeah, you do got to, you have to do something. Where they dug up the Colognes from, when is the last time the Colognes wrestled in the match? Yo, I, they were in, like, one of those greatest Royal Rumble type shits. And got wrecked. Like, <laughs> really, that's it? Like, I, I haven't seen them maybe since the first show overseas 
Oh fuck! It has to be yeah around Mania season maybe. That yeah. that's being generous. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like at one point they're on Raw and then they got traded. So I'm, I'm I can't even pinpoint that, my man. They're first to get eliminated though. They'll get eliminated before the Ascension. Oh god, the Ascension. I mean, yeah, like this this match sucks, but yeah, Smack Team SmackDown should win. There's there's no way that Team Raw should win. No. Um, and then we have tag team match. Okay, we're going. Oh, let's go women's Survivor Series match. Mickey James, Nia Jax, who may or may not be injuring people at a on purpose, just with stiff ass shots. Um, Tamina, Natalia, and Ruby Riot round out the group. Versus Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan. No, oh no, they're all, yeah. oh no, no, they're, they're just yeah, they're, they're just in the corner. Sorry. Versus Team SmackDown, Carmella, Naomi, Sonya Deville, Asuka. What the fuck's to be determined? Well, because Charlotte's now in the uh, the Ronda match, so it's probably going to be Mandy Rose. But okay, Mandy Rose or Selena Vega. This is, I mean, this is another one that. I in, years, love... in years past, I say Asuka kill everyone. Yeah, that obviously that's the route you would like to see it go, but it seems like the way they've been going with Nia and Tamina, like Team Raw should probably win, especially after SmackDown ran down and just beat the shit out of everybody. So it feels like Nia and Tamina should be the last two standing. How did Bailey and Sasha Banks not make a team? Yo, I yo. Like what? I, they yo. didn't. Ember Moon, Bailey, and Sasha Banks weren't good enough to make Team Raw. The, what? Again, this is the problem that I've said. It's like the when you go to the main roster, like the talent that was getting killed on NXT manages to become bigger on the main roster. I don't understand it's, that. There is no reason Sasha, Bailey, and, and uh, Ember Moon should not be in this match. Like, they should come down and ruin this shit out of spite. Their own team. They should form their own team. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is dumb. But, uh, yeah, I feel like Nia and Tamina should win because they're apparently... I mean, they're making the push for Nia to face Ronda, so why not? Yeah, Nia Jax wins. Even though Asuka should kill everyone and... Uh, Becky Lynch eventually will need a new opponent on SmackDown. It's not like she can go over to Raw right away. Um, even though we saw a fan theory on our Twitter, which was great. You know, milk this Bailey injury. Say she can't fight for a month, maybe. Still do promos. Still come out there and just uh, be the man. But have her relinquish the title and then work her way back into programming, win the Rumble, and challenge, challenge Ronda. There goes your main event. Yeah, so, I just don't. I don't think they can hold out long enough to make that happen. I hope so. I mean, but maybe her face just isn't ready. Like, so what do you got to do? You got to just let her do what she did last week, right? Cut promos. Yeah, and, cool. yeah. And to your point, that's what Stone Cold did, right? Exactly. He cut promos for damn near a year and jumped people. Was just really randomly. Only thing he was allowed to do is hit a Stone Cold stunner, drink beer, and cut promos. I'm okay yeah. with putting. Um, Be- excuse me, Be- Becky Lynch on that plan and just having her cut promos and talk shit about people. Um, but yeah, Team Raw wins this. Then we have tag team. We're going into the brand versus brand matches. AOP and Drake Maverick randomly, like he's not 205 Live GM, um, versus The Bar with Big Show. Uh, the Big Show thing is so random, but um, AOP has to win. 
they should. The I bar mean, doesn't need anything, and they got to put Big Show through the table just for shock value. Yeah, I feel like AOP should murder Big Show because they kind of won the title with shenanigans because it was just Seth Rollins. So in order to show their dominance, they need to do something to Big Show and then win this match. Because otherwise, they're just a team that won the title. So I think that's the route they need to go. Yeah, so AOP wins that one. Um, Survivor Series. Let's go. Now we'll go Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Over under this match getting eight minutes. Oh, it's going. It's getting over eight minutes. I mean, Seth Rollins is super over, so he's definitely getting more. Yeah. So then I'm it's, picking it to be a great match. This could steal the night because no yeah. one's talking about it, and this seems like the time where Nakamura is just an asshole and decides to go all out. I th- that I don't see. I'm optimistic. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I keep saying this. Like I said it the day he got signed. Shinsuke Nakamura has a problem. He goes into cruise control. He needs to be pushed into a position where um, either he's wrestling somebody who's better than him, so he has to show out like he did with Kota Ibushi, or um, he's in a prime spot, which was AJ Styles at Wrestle Kingdom. I think his entire WWE run has been lackluster, and a lot of it has to be on him as well. I know the booking has been great. The low blow stuff has been stupid, but his matches just haven't been good since the Sami Zayn match. So this this match should be good. This, I would hope, puts it into another gear, but I just haven't seen that out of him. Nakamura, just, he just has not been impressive. And his heel run has just been even more blah than anything else. Well, they haven't uh, given him a feud yet as a heel. Like, he won the belt, and he hasn't had a feud yet. Yeah, it's, on, it's just, I don't know what they're doing with Nakamura. I don't know what Nakamura is doing with himself. He's just been on a terrible cruise control mission since NXT. He has not really looked like he looks great at the Royal Rumble. But. Yeah, and I, I like the Knock America gimmick. But to me, you have to put that up against an All American to really get it over, you know? Like, yeah, it, it just, like it just falls. It, it seems tone deaf if he's not going against someone who's like, no, this is America. He's like, no, this is Knock America. And then you come back with it. Like, that's cool. Like, I think he can make something out of it. I you think he's trying. He's just not in a position to be featured to make it work. And some of that might be on him. It's it's weird. So hopefully this, you know, I want him come out, have a spirited match, and take the character up even another level um, before he has to drop that belt. Because he drops the belt, and he's obsolete. As soon as he drops this one, it's over for Nakamura. Yeah, I mean, I think Rollins was going to win anyway. But uh, No, I mean, not even the match. I, I, I think Nakamura wins this match. Uh, see, with the other, that's the other problem is that these matches don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's not hurting anyone. So, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> this is a match that, that I would would like to look forward to, but I don't. I just don't. I don't think it's going to be that good. And then we have uh, Team Raw versus Team SmackDown: Ziggler, McIntyre, Strowman, Balor, and Lashley. So all heels except for Balor. Interesting. Um. Versus Team SmackDown, Miz, Shane McMahon, God knows why, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe, and Jeff Hardy. Man. Team Raw has to win. How many L's can Braun take? Like, Braun can't get eliminated. No, I mean, yeah, Braun Braun should win this match. Unless he's counted out or some shit, which I don't necessarily see either. Um, 
But yes, yeah, I mean, it should be Braun, unless like something happens with him and Drew McIntyre spilling to the outside of the ring or, or something like that. But I don't see any way that SmackDown wins this. They shouldn't. Uh, and Shane should get murdered. I don't even know why he's in this match. Oh, what if Shane wins? What if Shane's the sole survivor? And McIntyre, like, I don't know, just gives a fucking kick to Braun, knocks him out, and Shane pins Braun to win it all. Tell me you can't see that. Uh, trying not to. That's, that's WWE booking to a T right there. Um, and then we have the two main events, Ronda versus Charlotte. Ronda wins. Of course. Yeah, Charlotte's just throwing in it last second. No way. Yeah, there's, there's no reason that uh, Charlotte's going to win this match. But, you Should know, be a good maybe, match, though. Unless Becky comes out and does something. Couldn't. She could jump Ronda after. That'd be good. But I, I, I like Charlotte. I, I don't mind Ronda Rousey matches. The, the Millennial promo was weird as hell. The Millennial promo, like, right now, my biggest problem with Ronda is her, like, and it, it's something that the WWE is going to have to figure out because as long as Becky's in pro, close proximity to Ronda, Ronda's going to start getting booed. Because she's going to get her, the Roman Reigns. Yeah, like her shit talking hasn't been good lately. No. And in, in the war of words with Becky, and like Becky just nuked her on Twitter. <laughs> like that was like Ronda losing in, in the UFC has been off limits for so long. For Becky to pull that one out and just run roughshod over on Twitter, dude, there's, there's really nothing that Ronda could do. So they have to figure something out there because like the Millennium Man, like all that shit is trash. Like Becky Avocado is, toast or some shit. It's, yeah, they're. All this shit is trash, but uh, it's too scripted. They they need to take the training wheels off. Like in a feud like this, when you know there's a handshake between Ronda and Becky, and say we say whatever we want, no harsh feelings. Cool. Let's just go out there and sell this shit. Take the training wheels off, and let Ronda be who she was in UFC. I just don't think Vince McMahon ever cared to watch UFC. And doesn't fucking know what Ronda Rousey was. At most, he knows her from the Ellen show. And that, you know, she was a huge deal. But I, I don't think he knew that she was, for all purposes, a heel in UFC. She was kind of a dick. I would say that she probably, he did. But I think it's just a much different world in the WWE. Because obviously... She's so much better that way, though. Yeah, but it's... it's there's There's two issues here. One... There was no way Ronda was going to be a heel when she debuted. No way. It's no. impossible. Yeah, that's true. So they have to work the gloss off of her before they turn her heel. So the personality can't really come out until she's put in a position where she needs to turn. And right now she's an attraction. She can do uh, cross-promotional stuff. She can do marketing stuff. She can do commercials. She can do everything to put the WWE in a good light. Once the new car scent wears off of Ronda, then she can turn heel. That sounds like a WrestleMania type of thing then. It seems like she goes into Mania as the face, Becky as the heel, but super over. And yeah, and then Ronda has to do some dastardly shit to beat her. Because I still I mean, think Ronda has to win. I don't know, to be honest. I, I really don't know which way they're going to go with any of this. But uh, I will say that... Uh, they just need to figure it out with, with Ronda. And I, I'm sure they will. Like, I'm sure they're going to get this thing figured out sooner or later because, yeah, just putting her near Becky is just not a good idea. Um, and, and I'm saying not a good idea. It's great for a few, but if you want to keep her as a baby face, unless the plan is to eventually turn Ronda, which would be much smarter, 
would be the best way to go. So they could keep this up. But uh, yeah, the millennial man, avocado toast, skinny jeans thing, like that was corny as hell. They're two days apart. Becky is two days older. Like that wasn't thought out. That that was like lazy booking. And it was writing. Yeah. So uh, all right, let's run through. We got a couple more minutes. Let's get through some of the UFC and boxing stuff we got to talk about. Uh, man, no, wait, we got NXT. Yeah, we do. Fuck it. NXT takes precedent over everything else. Um, we'll hit up Mayweather before we bounce on the show. But NXT, we've ignored NXT for a good month and a half. Like, we haven't yeah. talked anything about it because we're like, all right, it's going to build. And it's on tape delay, obviously. So we can cover it at the end. This is the end. So we have to talk about it. Um, let's go through the card. There was good, good buildups. Hold on. I picked up the wrong war games. I need to find this year's war games. Hmm. Where would that be? NXT take over LA is probably what I have to search. All right, here it is. So pulling up the war games, um, this seems, and even if you go through all the buildup, it seems a little weird this time. This is probably the most disjointed buildup they've had in NXT. No, it's not. No, but they've had it's no. I mean, they've they've had weird like. They 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 book like I, I think you're you're speaking specifically to like Chiampa in the Dream. Yeah, now, they they've they've done this before where they've kind of put together a title match like Lars Sullivan and Alistair Black, which was done in like two weeks. So it's not the <laughs> most disjointed, but it happens. Um, but I mean, aside from that, everything else has like been well booked. Um, well, let's see. We have Shayna Baszler, Kari Sane. I didn't need to see this ran back again. But I, I guess if if you gotta work in the MMA horsewomen and Shayna takes her, you know, badass heel character to another level by having a crew, you gotta give her a platform to do so. So I I I don't know. I, I think Shayna retains. More than likely. By by shenanigans. So I, I think we see, you know, the horsewomen, two out of three falls usually lends itself to shenanigans. Because it'll be a fall of peace and, and there's going to be some interference. Um, then we have the War Games match itself, the Undisputed Era. Adam Cole, Bobby Fish is back. Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong versus Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and War Raiders. Um, Pete Dunne to me, it, it's cool, but I didn't need him in there. I, I kind of like the idea maybe of an EC3 to get him on the pay-per-view and not just have him disappear for no reason. Um, you know, Pete Dunne, better wrestler, probably going to give us better spots. But to me, he's the champion. He's a UK champion. He has his own damn show now. Like, he's fine. I, I would have put EC3 in there. But nonetheless, I think it's going to be a great match and traditional War Games format. So we see something we didn't see last year. Um, man, I, I like Undisputed Era to win. Even though Conventional Wisdom says Kyle O'Reilly just won on the Go Home show, they're going to lose. I like them to win, though. Yeah, I like them to win, too. And I, I feel like we're getting closer and closer to the Undisputed Era debuting on the main roster. But um, oh, I think... Why? Because oh. it just feels like the, the, they're really over. And uh, Triple H made mention of uh, in the conference call how far he thinks the Undisputed Era could go. Um, and that they're a really good team and yada, yada, yada. So I feel like we're getting closer and closer, but I don't feel like they should lose here. Um, I just think it's better for them to keep winning. I would love an Adam Cole champion run, but I guess not. 
Told you. I, I never saw this happening. Like, after a while, it was like, I don't see how they're going to ever get the title on them. Yeah. He might be, to, to your point, he might be one of the guys that are decently used in NXT that blow up on the main roster. Like, he could. He could. It's just, you got to put him in the right spot. You need, I mean, you need the right things to happen um, for this to work. And it's really hard because you have a lot of people to service on the main roster. So, we shall see, but uh, yeah, I think the Undisputed Era should win this match, though. Yeah, I mean, this this is a good weekend to do it. I mean, the the Shield. Uh, I think you talked to me about like the Shield Survivor Series match, which I guess was horrible. But when they debuted and they just wrecked everyone. Yeah, um, they, I mean, they debuted to help CM Punk against uh, with Ryback and uh, John Cena. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I guess they could attack the Raw and SmackDown teams. If they wanted to, they I don't think run in and just wreck shit. I, I don't know. I don't know how you put them on the main roster now. I think they still have so much. They still have the titles, right? Like yeah, they're, they're not, and Fish got to come up off of those. They're not. They're not coming up soon. But I feel like we're inching closer to it. Where oh, it could yeah. be Royal Rumble. It could be close to WrestleMania. Yeah, it's like, I feel like like they're the next ones up. They're part of that next wave. Is what you're saying? Yeah, like when you look at them and you see what they've accomplished. At a certain point, you go, well. You know, I'd like for them to stay in NXT because I feel like without the threat of them ever moving up, there's a lot more things you can do, like put the title on Adam Cole. But I feel like eventually it just has to happen. It's natural. And you said, I believe, on Twitter or something, uh, Triple H conference call said, we'll see more people staying down. Yeah, staying down because he, he looks at it as a third brand. He said it's, there's, it's highly likely that some guys will never, they will, they'll no longer be called going up it'll be moving to a different brand. So you may start seeing guys from SmackDown or Raw that aren't getting shine go to NXT. Which is what I said what? last week, even though you think it's convoluted. But it's, I, I, no, it's no longer a developmental. Evolve is going to be the developmental to the developmental. So, my, again, my issue with this is what I've said before is that you have a lot of people to service. And now if I start seeing, unless they're going to lose... Like, unless you're sending uh, Ty Dillinger, Apollo Crews, the Revival, well, maybe not the Revival, but with, with a show that's only an hour long and you keep signing talent, that it's has going to, to be hard. Yeah, yeah it, it's going to be hard to move guys over and keep that show an hour long because you still got, like, if you look at this, for instance, no Keith Lee, no Matt Riddle, no EC3, um, no Lars Sullivan, uh, like, no Dijak. Yeah, like, no Dijak. If you look at all the people who are not wrestling at TakeOver or not necessarily on Weekly, no Bianca Belair, um, who, she's on Weekly. But if you start moving people over, then it takes their time. Yeah. So that, that's my concern. You, see, you have to either make the show longer or kind of not do this, or only in very special cases. The only guys that I would like to see, I'd like to see the Revival come back to NXT. Like the, That's a tag team that could be a big threat. I don't want to see like Apollo Crews in NXT. I don't. Why not? He can't be a threat in NXT? No, his character, like his biggest issue is his character. And he has his to biggest... go there to develop that. But I don't want to see him take Matt Riddle's spot. I don't want him I don't want to see him to take somebody's spot on television, Ricochet's spot. I don't want to see that. Stay where you're at. Like right now unless you completely rebrand Apollo Crews, there's no reason I need to see him taking another young talent, not even young newer talent spot like keith lee needs keith to lee's shine. like 36 i think 
Yeah, like Keith Lee needs some shine. Like I don't need Apollo Crews to come there unless he's going to come get beat up by Keith Lee. I don't I don't need it. But then it kind of defeats the purpose. So it, I, it, I just want to see some of the jobbers on the main roster, some of the people a little longer, you know, the, the B team, split them up again, send them to NXT. Guys who weren't in NXT the past one or two years, um, you know, maybe the Ascension has been long enough or the Colognes, send them down and just have them work NXT. Not to be a prominent piece, but send them down to work with the talent. Just like Tyson Kidd. Cesaro did that for a second, then he got fresh again and moved back up. Like, you can do that with those type of talents. And they might find their way. They don't have to be in a prominent position, but they might find their way. Some of those guys just suck. Like, I don't want to see the Colognes on NXT. Again, you're taking somebody else's spot that I actually would want to see. I don't want to see the Colognes. There's nowhere for them to go. Like, the Colognes are pretty much done. There's nothing for them to do. I don't know. So it's like people. You got to do something. Yeah, but I mean, put them on house shows, but I don't want to see them on NXT television. There's just not enough time as it is. I don't need too many guys coming up to, to muck things up. I just don't want to see that happen. We shall see how they go in that lane. Um, we have Aleister Black versus Johnny Gargano. Heel Gargano. Gargano did it. Um, I think it's going to be a good match. Gargano hasn't had a bad match in a long time. So. No. Probably going to be Aleister Black's best match. Um, and he's had, I mean, that dream match, psychology-wise, was great. Uh, I like the him versus Almas match. This is probably going to be his best in-ring match. And we'll see, because Black has to be in position to get his title back or be ready to move up. Because he's literally done everything besides main event one of these damn things. So he has to be on a path. Maybe he wrecks Gargano and Ciampa. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence where I'm like, you know, he needs to stop what? talking too. By the way, sorry. I wouldn't necessarily mind Gargano and Ciampa just getting back together. Not me. In either. some, like I wouldn't necessarily mind like if you can't beat them, join them. Like screw it. <laughs> and, like I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it. Like Gargano is a heel. Like because my curiosity is. If he if he wrestles black and he loses or wins or whatever, like what's next? So things could get interesting. And I'm just gonna go out I'm gonna say a Gargano beats Alistair Black. I think Alistair Black wins. He he's should. Gonna, he's coming he back, should. he's gonna be on the tear. He's gonna win. He should, but I think it would be a lot more interesting for Gargano if he won. Um but you know, we'll see. I I'm, this is one of those matches where I kinda don't care who wins. Like I just wanna see a good match. So yeah, I think we'll get that. Um main event, Tommaso Ciampa versus Velveteen Dream. I mean, Champa's going to win. Oh, I got I the dream winning. I, 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 I got be, the dream winning. I think I, I would think this be is surprised it. if they go that route because I just don't feel like, like I feel like with the, I, I mean, I guess you could do it and shock the world. Uh, uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yo, there's a crazy amount of tickets for NXT still available, by the way, on StubHub, like $20 for anyone looking. They opened the top row. So I thought like the, you know, the 300 level would be closed. Nope, it's open. Wow. So plenty of $20 tickets if anyone's just looking to go cash their first NXT or just another one. They're in the L.A. area. Um, Yeah, I think the dream wins. Ciampa, to me, has been a good champion. Um, But I think the dream as a character, why not? These, These type of characters don't get many opportunities to beat someone for a title. To me, Ciampa is the best candidate to do so. 
It's not a guy who's going to be your champion for a year, right? Like, I feel like him, Gargano, are probably going to have business. They'll probably get back together. They both will move up. They've been in NXT for a long time. Um, I, I think they clear some room, and, and I think the dream as a as a tweener character could be heel, could be baby. I, I think he's a good way to go and set up whoever you want to put in that next picture. Um, I just feel like there's still more for Ciampa to do. I, I, I just, I'm not ready for him to drop the title because I just feel like he he just won it. Really, if you think about it, like he just it's 100 won days. I think he's counted down on his Instagram. He never lets us forget that shit. Well, I mean, how can he? Because it hasn't been an NXT Takeover. <laughs> so I mean, he hasn't. He had, he didn't even win it at a Takeover. For so for him to lose it at Takeover, just he defended it weird. at SummerSlam. Takeover Brooklyn. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, uh, one title defense. Some people only get one, Dre. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm cool. I, I want Chopper to win. I mean, I, I, I we I saw the hot that. potato around this time last year, by the way. Yeah, and I get tired of hot potato. I like guys holding on to the title. I always said that. So we'll see what happens, though. Yeah, so that's takeover for this weekend. No matter what, it's going to be a good card. That's just what they do. Um, next week, we talk more UFC. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone broke Perry's arm. Uh, that's something, and it looks like we're going to get Cerrone, well, he's calling out McGregor. Do you like that matchup, Cerrone-McGregor? Because I like it a lot because I think Connor needs a win, and I think Cerrone, there's still that shine on him, but we all know you can get him the hell out of here. Yeah, I mean, I like the fight because I think it's a dangerous fight for both of them. I actually think this is, I've always thought this is a dangerous fight for Connor, even back when you know Cerrone was losing because Cerrone's long, he's big, he, and he can strike. And he's got a pretty decent chin. I don't so, think he has the chin of a Diaz. And I, I mean, we've seen him knocked out several times. He got knocked out by a fucking giant in Darren Till. I'm, I, can't, I can't necessarily count that. And this is at welterweight. Dos Anjos fucked him up. In a minute. Dos Anjos is a welterweight, for all intents and purposes. Okay. Like, Anthony Pettis got him with a, a shot to the ribs. But I think that, that Cerrone's pretty durable. That it could be an interesting fight. And it could be dangerous. I actually love the fight. I think Cerrone still has a recognizable name, and I think Connor needs a win. And I, I don't think there's too many people you could put him in there aside from a Tony Ferguson or a rematch with Khabib or a Nate Diaz. There's nobody else. Yeah, that really makes sense. So I'm all for it. I I like the pairing. Um, Cerrone will help sell the fight too. Think what you want about him, but the gimmick works, and he can really help sell that fight as a. I just you know the cowboy that doesn't give a shit against McGregor. And curses and drinks beer and shit. So it's whiskey versus Budweiser's. Nothing wrong with that. It'll play well. Um, Korean Zombie versus Yair Rodriguez. Man, for my money, fight of the year. I mean, that's that's. Some people were like saying Derek Lewis had a better comeback. No, he didn't. The fight wasn't as good. But but and, no, and no, it no. Wasn't I'm five saying, rounds. I'm, it, yeah, it's it's nowhere near. I, this I, is better. I'm putting it into like I'm putting in. The, I'm compartmentalizing it. Is it the greatest knockout I've ever seen? But the most unique? Maybe, yeah. Like Pete Sell and uh, his knockout when he got hit in the, in, the, in the gut and turned around and knocked dude out running at him. Like trying to remember what, what event that was. That was one of the great things that we've seen. <laughs> but uh, this up elbow thing? Like, I mean, we've seen the Showtime kick, and that didn't finish Vincent Henderson off. This is the most unique strike I've ever seen finish somebody. So... Yeah. It was a no-look elbow. <laughs> yeah, arguably the greatest knockout I've ever seen. 
one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen because it happened at the fucking buzzer in a fight he was losing. Like, uh, they talk about Derek Lewis. He was losing the whole fight. There was still, like, 10 seconds left, and it was... it was. He had time like, for ground and pound. This well, was one shot done. That's my, that's my, that's my biggest <sighs> thing. It was a one-shot kill. One like, second it, left. Like, you, you had no time for ground and pound. Yeah, like, he was dead. Like, the zombie was done. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. So, comeback of the year, absolutely. Knockout of the year, absolutely. Fight of the year, eh, it was really good. I don't know if it's necessarily fight. We were some brawling, rocking. there's blood, there's spit. No, they were it, fucking, oh, they hugged three times, came back, like, and still ended in a knockout. I would say, like, it's up there in fight of the year. Like, I have to go through and see what other fights there were. This could definitely be fight of the year. But, um, but all-time knockout and all-time comeback, this is right there. I, this shit was unbelievable. Like I, I just stared at my television because I couldn't believe what I just saw. Because yeah, then it took me a minute for it to register that, how, like, what happened? It didn't help that they, you know, uh, who was it? Whoever was calling it said headbutt. Yeah, like, I mean. So I was well, like, no, is it a headbutt? Is it? I was like, I didn't see a headbutt. And then the nobody, slow-mo replay. Nobody knew what happened. Like, everybody was so blown away. It was like, well, what the fuck just happened? It was amazing. <laughs> the zombie is dead. That's all I knew. It's like, yeah, I don't know what happened, but the zombie is dead. Um, so that was great. We'll touch on UFC Argentina next week. Mayweather, lastly, Mayweather teasing the fight with Ryzen is back on. Same opponent, modified rules, three, three, three minute rounds, no kicking. So pretty much boxing only. This is exactly what I said it should have been. Um, but then this is nothing. Because a 20-year-old kid who's 20 pounds lighter who can't kick him or knee him ain't doing shit against him. No shit. Yeah, like I said, Mayweather's never going to put him in a situa- himself in a situation where he could probably lose a fight. So I'm not surprised by this at all. At all. It's an exhibition. Like, Floyd isn't coming to lose a fight. What, are you guys crazy? Not at all. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be a money grab. We'll see if it's the same date, if people watch. It's all back up in the air, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, a lot of combat sports. Next week, we'll recap all of this wrestling. We'll talk boxing, a lot more MMA. If there's anything we missed, I'm sure there's going to be big announcements. And, yeah, whatever crazy random shit pops up, maybe we'll do our show on Wednesday before Thanksgiving and have some more wild Thanksgiving stuff to talk about. So thank you guys for listening. Can't wait to be back next week. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at The Corner LSN, all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. I think that's it, right? That's the whole spiel. That's how we end this shit. Pretty yeah. much, right? We, we didn't talk about Usyk, which I guess we'll have to hold off on that. Yeah, next week. next week we'll have to talk about Usyk and possibly moving up to heavyweight and uh, Anthony Joshua being intrigued. So that'll still be there for us and more boxing. So, thank you guys for listening. For now, though, we're out. Peace.